Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey, this is Rad with Soft Rep Radio, and you are joining me live right now with Congressman Michael Waltz, former or Green Beret, I believe. Yeah. Colonel, correct, sir? That's right. Still going. I think uh, we're pretty sure I'm the only member of Congress jumping out of airplanes. Yes, right, right. Now, speaking of jumping out of airplanes, you're airborne. I ask a lot of my guests that are airborne have you ever had some type of crazy issue that you had to just recover while you were in flight or jumping out of an airplane? Yeah, actually, it was jumping over Niger and uh, looked down as we were, you know, as I was heading down towards the the Sahara Desert and my reserve was dangling down by my legs. Somehow, and to this day, the jump masters, I mean, no, no one who was an expert could figure out how both my clips that hold the reserve in place came undone. But thank God I didn't need it that day because it wasn't there. Oh, man, that's crazy. And your thoughts are just probably running a million miles an hour. You're thinking through the whole <laughs> process, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Actually looking up to make sure your main main shoot is, is there and operational. But, man, you know, I mean, jumping uh, with foreign militaries out of foreign aircraft and just different systems, that it makes it interesting. But I have to just tell you real quick, the best one I've ever done was recently I jumped on the 75th anniversary of D-Day oh. over St. Mary Gleese, which is where the 82nd Airborne jumped on June 5th, 1944, out of an original World War II C-47 that's still flying 80 years later. But the coolest thing was I did it with a 92-year-old paratrooper 
The last time he had jumped was 1944, and here he was jumping. He was tandem with a Green Beret buddy of mine, but he was hooting and hollering all the way down to the ground, and, and he yelled out, this was a hell of a lot more fun than getting shot at by the Germans. And the reaction of the French people in Normandy was just spectacular. I mean, you would have thought D-Day had happened like last year, not 75 years ago. The amount of American flags and thank yous and hugs and welcome to our liberators and we love our freedom. It was, if you haven't gone to Normandy and spent some time there, it should be on every veteran's bucket list, every American's bucket list. Right. Probably everyone's bucket list just to have that remembrance of, you know, I want to go there. So that's a goal. I'm pointing right at you. I got you. I now, now that's a great transition. So still in the military, still rolling the colonel, still, you know, officer, home of the brave. That's what our nation is. Okay. That's what we like to always remember it. Okay. You fall into that category. And so you have a book that we're just going to jump right into and kind of put out there that's coming out and it's called Dawn of the Brave. And that's a children's book. I want you to tell us a little bit about what your thoughts and feelings are about after you've before in writing that, you know, what were you, what were you putting into that? Please tell us. Yeah, sure. It's a children's book. It's the target age is, uh, is six to 10 years old. It's actually part of a subscription. And if you go to bravebooks.com, it's not available on Amazon. It's only available on bravebooks.com An order subscription. The kids get one a month. Actually, my, my wingman in Congress, Navy SEAL Dan Crenshaw has really championed one as well. But each one has a different theme and focus for kids. Mine was on teamwork and serving your country. The characters in the book, we have a hippopotamus, a gorilla, a cheetah. They all have different attributes and strengths and weaknesses. They all have to come together as a team to defend Freedom Island against the invading pirate rats that seek to uh, take their liberties and take their freedoms away. And they learn about teamwork and they learn about self-sacrifice and service through the book and through their experience. And by the way, before I forget, $15 of every subscription is going to Samaritan's Purse that's helping uh, Ukrainian refugees. But the, the broader piece is, you know, I think we need to instill our kids in a very early age about the value of service, of serving your community, serving your country, serving your neighbors and each other. That's what really what this country was founded on, the greatest generation in World War II, I think, was the epitome of it. Uh, and now that we're moving a couple of generations away from the draft, I think we're losing you know, a lot of that sense and a lot of that drive. And, and that's what this book is intended to get us back to. Sure. And I think what you're kind of touching on is kind of what Washington, George Washington dealt with during the Revolutionary War, which was like, you know, the troops would kind of go home. And uh, they weren't kind of doing PT anymore and they weren't ready to get back into the fight. So you had to keep them kind of, you know, spurred up to keep going. And if we lose that sense and get kind of softer and comfortable, then when it hits the fan and everybody has to like. That's right. And I think, you know, now that we're a couple of generations away from the draft and I'm not advocating going back to the draft, but I think we could incentivize better because, you know, at that time, what did every young person learn? They learned teamwork discipline, leadership, followership. And importantly, this is the most important point, you did it with other Americans that didn't look like you, whether you're from downtown Detroit or a farm kid from West uh, Indiana or a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. You were right. you know, you're all forced to overcome your differences and your biases and to understand each other's perspective. We're kind of missing that now. I think we need to get back to that. It doesn't have to be in the military. It can be in national parks or it can be in Boy elderly Scouts. care. Let's just hit the Boy Scouts back up because let's look at who kicked That's Hitler's right. butt. 
right? It was our Boy Scouts versus his so-called, you know, Hitler Youth Boy Scouts. So when our grandpappies got of age after Boy Scouts, they were fighting. Yep, that's right. And Black Rider Brown, they learned that the enemy's bullets don't care. That's right. Uh, and they care. It's about missions, about country. It's about taking care of each other. And so those lessons, I think, we've drifted away from. And that's what this book is hoping and, and looking to instill at an early age. Yeah, that's a good thing. And like, I, I think, you know, a, a program like, you know, um, athletics, you know, getting out and playing on a baseball team as a young kid, that was my whole goal was like, I want to be a professional baseball player. I can't wait at seven to go play baseball, be put in a team environment, you know, and just always be outside off the Xbox, you know, just, uh, you know, there wasn't even the Xbox. It was like Nintendo Mario. Come on. It was like the eight, yes. but that was more like when we had to have, you know, uh, an outside coming home when the streetlights go on kind of attitude, you know, it's like I was jumping my bike off of a wood plank with my friends and I'm sure you were too. Right. So it's like today that kind of doesn't exist. And so we have to make sure that the next generation that's going to take over and the next generation and the next generation have that instilled in them. I completely agree. That's a really cool. You should go check out, tell me the name of the, uh, it's uh, bravebooks.com. Is that that's right. Get your subscription there. Portions of the proceeds are going to, to help Ukrainian refugees and that, yeah. that for subscription and the kids, will, they get a book a month. The illustrations are beautiful. I did not do the illustrations, <laughs> at all, but I think the themes are wholesome, family focused and right on. That's really awesome. Now that we've got that out there, if you're listening right now on Soft Rep, I just want you to go check that out and uh, give Mike the chance to, you know, uh, get your review on his book, you know, go there, check it out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Now let's go to Congressman Waltz. Let's talk to Congressman Waltz. Now, Congressman, 
you know, it's a very interesting climate in the globe right now. And I mean, like literally with, you know, rising waters and, you know, contaminated pollutants in the water. And I know you're out of Florida. What are you doing to help, you know, try to bring awareness to the climate in Florida and maintaining it so it's on a positive up? What can you tell? Yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, you know, the environment in Florida, unlike some other places, isn't really a partisan issue. You know, I I live a block from the beach. Thank God. I love it. I grew up on the water and, you know, clean water, a, a beautiful environment isn't, you know, isn't just an aesthetic issue for Floridians. It's it's our way of life, whether that's driving tourism that employs so many people or the fishing industry or, you know, we can go on and on. But it's it's absolutely crucial. And so, you know, I, I on the Science, Space and Technology Committee in Congress, we've pushed a number of research initiatives and other initiatives to get at the bottom of uh, green algae blooms, which come from all kinds pollutants, everything from septic tanks to agricultural runoff. And we can go down the list, but to better understand that, to really craft solutions to go after it. And then other initiatives to help our manatee population that is sadly dying off because of a lack of seagrass that they need. I mean, they literally eat hundreds of pounds a day. Then to survive, we've had red tide issues. And then we have, you know, we have a vibrant, I mean, the number two industry in Florida behind tourism is agriculture. Actually, a third of the country's food comes from Florida or through Florida's ports in the winter for the entire nation. So we have to have an agricultural sector that can thrive. But how does how do we do that in a way that preserves our environment? And, you know, it can't be an either or. So those are all things that we're pushing hard on, both with our state delegation and in Congress. Now, just one other important point is is we can't lose sight of agriculture. Agriculture is the number two industry in Florida behind uh, tourism. A third of the nation's food actually flows through Florida in the winter. And so it can't be an either or between the environment and agriculture and our farming community. And, and you know what we're trying hard to do is to have a healthy balance of both. Yes, that's good. And I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, right? We're having this conversation, and I enjoy your oranges. Yeah, oh, yeah, right? Well, what I want to do is come down to Key Largo. I want to do all the Beach Boy cities that they sing about, you know, and uh, come check out, you know, yeah. Key West and and uh, see where Miami Vice filmed the whole Phil Collins episode. Just like, <laughs> you know, the whole – that's to me growing up, that child of the 80s and 90s, man, that's that's Florida to me. I've been to Orlando, SHOT Show, when they had a SHOT Show back in the day in Orlando. I went there. So that was cool. It was February, January, and it was like 70. Well, you've got to add St. Augustine, Florida, to your list. That's where I am. And it is oh. actually the oldest continuous city in America. It started in 1565 with the Spanish, and it's just a, a beautiful historic town uh, right there on the water and just a few minutes from the beach. Oh, that sounds like a very cool place to just walk and find yourself, you know, like just look at yeah. the sunset and appreciate <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. That is for sure. You're just, you totally put your toes in the sand. <laughs> That's awesome. So now growing up, did you do Boy Scouts? I'm just curious, were you in any sports or anything like that? 
Yeah, I did Boy Scouts for a while. I, if I remember correctly, I think, you know, I had a, you know, I was raised by a single mom uh, sure. who was just trying to work and get us by. And our scout master was kind of a father figure, but they moved and we just, it just kind of died off for me after then. But then I did uh, rowing, crew, speaking of being on the water at 5.30 a.m. every morning. It's an ultimate team sport because if one person is just even a millisecond out of sync, it throws off the entire boat. It was, it's kind of like running a marathon on a balance beam. It was one of the toughest sports I've ever done. That was the main effort. It's like you're the blade on an ice skate on the ice and you have to just keep that balance. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. I, yeah. I snowboard, I snowboard pretty hardcore. And so I ride my edge all the time, you know, and it's all about balance. And, uh, for me being six foot five and 280 pounds, the size of a lineman, I'm totally all over the mountain on oh. a snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope nobody gets in front of you for too long right? <laughs> as, you're, as you're barreling down. It has happened almost once. Like just the other day, someone just came shooting out of the trees. They don't look left. They don't look right. They just shoot down their lane. They're focused. And I'm just like, whoa, right side, right side. You know, like we're going to hit. You don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, help yeah. <laughs> we escaped in the snow a, a couple of times a year. My daughter and I love to board. So we'll have oh, to get up there and board with you sometime. Oh, you're invited. Come out. We'll ride Snowbird or Brighton Ski Resort out here and just give it a good old shredding. I know. I'll, let's go to Brighton. You come out here. Yeah, clandestine snowboard ops. You and me. You come out. <laughs> Bring your kids. <laughs> that would be a great time. Now, do you have another book that you're looking to write? Now that have you been bitten by this uh, this author bug? Actually, my second book, the first one that I wrote is called Warrior Diplomat, uh, Green Berets Battles from Washington to Afghanistan. And that really covered, you know, a lot of people realize that both the Navy SEALs and Green Berets have reserve units, which means you have to have a day job that still stay ready to, to go when called on. And my day job just happened to be helping Vice President Cheney as his counterterrorism advisor craft the strategy for the, for the war on terrorism. And so I had this fascinating, you know, back and forth of there I am in the White House Situation Room, Mr. President, this, this is the direction we need to go. And then I would get mobilized, you know, as a reserve component, uh, Green Beret, I have to be the only idiot in Washington that actually had to go do the strategy that I'd helped to write. Uh, right. And then the fascinating part would be coming back and putting the coat and tie back on, taking the uniform off and, and going back in the White House and saying, hey, boss. We're not doing, we, I just spent the last year out there and we're not doing what you said to do. And here's all the things we're doing wrong. And so I did that back and forth for you know, over a decade and, and wrote a book about kind of looking at the war on terror from the White House, from being out on the ground, from the Pentagon. We made all kinds of mistakes, but at the end of the day, that doesn't mean we can just walk away like we did last uh, year in that debacle of a withdrawal. And just abandon our allies. And well, they kind of abandoned us too, right? Didn't we? we were over there working with them? And then they just kind of like melted into the facade because they don't want to say who's who's kind of who, you know? I mean, like there's lives on the line, so many, right? No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and believe me, there was all kinds of corruption and, and flaws with the system and things we could have done better and they absolutely should have done, but done better. I guess my, my point is, is that Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and half the world's terrorist groups that still exist there, they didn't get the memo that President Biden just said, we're done, we're out, and this is over. 
they still, and the intelligence shows this, they still fully intend to hit us again, and they're developing the capability to do so. So, you know, future American soldiers or special operators are going to have to go back and deal with it. And that's what has me so frustrated. Just like when we yanked out of Iraq kind of haphazardly in 2011, we saw the rise of the ISIS caliphate, and we had to go back to deal with it after hundreds of thousands of people were massacred and and slaughtered. That's uh, also, yeah, with Syria trying to blur those lines, you know, Syria's trying to take back, you know, the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Okay. They want the lines back. They want the lines of Iraq. And where's the Kurds? Where are they? There's 30 million, 20 million people just wandering the land saying, where did my lines go? How come my lines went away? Okay. At least when we had to go back into Iraq, we had the Kurds to work alongside us. We had bases in Jordan, in northern Iraq. We had access from the ocean. I mean, uh, you know, our military had a lot more to work with in Afghanistan if we have to go back to deal, at, you know, after a strike, another strike on the homeland, then we've got no bases, not only in Afghanistan, but not a single country surrounding it. We have no local allies. They're being hunted down as we speak. They'll never work with us again if they survive. And we have no access really from the ocean. So it really is putting us in an impossible situation. And it's something I'm very focused on. As well, an Afghanistan, since like Donna Time has been almost an impossible, I mean, like they're a peaceful people, but when you start coming at them they really take you know their whole country as a bunker you know i mean you know you can go back to the russians you can go back to the u.s and you know you can go back to you know the beginning when it was being fought over it's just always been the people there they love their land too right and so they're gonna just yeah osama bin laden picked one of the most you know poor mountainous difficult long history of resisting any type of, of outside influence. I mean, Al-Qaeda picked one of the most difficult places in the world, bred their extremist ideology. Uh, you're right, it's, it's not easy. But I don't. my point is, I want to fight it over there, not in our backyards here in the United States. I don't want to wait for Correct. San Bernardino or Pulse nightclub or, God forbid, another 9-11 to figure this you out. You don't need Red Dawn actual. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Right. No. I tell people all the time in my, in my industry, I tell them, I'm like, you know, if it comes here, it's too late. That's right. I can't have it. Like, I'm going to defend my, I was like, if it, if it comes here, it's too late. We got to just, you know, who was it? I'm not going to, I can't think of the quote, but they say, you know, good leaders can come out of a situation with no bloodshed. So, yeah. you know, that just tells you right now we have bloodshed. So let's just have good leaders so we can have no more bloodshed, right? Because I mean, it's crazy in the Ukraine, and I know your book is donating some pro or the purchases or proceeds to the refugees from the Ukraine, right? Now, I'm of, like, help my neighbor. You know, I'm of, like, if you're at my door and you need a drink of water and you're not threatening me, here's a drink of water, right? It's, like, simple. Like, uh, I don't really want to turn anyone away. So with Ukrainian refugees, you know, they're coming over to Utah. They're coming over to the U.S., and, you know, I'm not seeing a problem with that. How do you feel about that transpiring into the u.s like that so quickly yeah you know we have the border situation and then we have refugees coming in yeah we have to have appropriate levels of vetting i also you know supported the resettlement of of many of the afghan refugees i mean this is a nation of immigrants and we're you know you know ellis island and the statue of liberty said it best and we always have our doors open to the downtrodden and, and to those that are most threatened that said I contrast that it is a bit different than having a wide open southern border where we have literally two million people a year now is what we're on track with no vetting 
people from 120 different countries. There have been at least 30 that have been found on a terrorist watch list. My heart goes out to many of those migrants who are just desperately seeking a better life. But the reality of it is that it's making these drug cartels rich to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars a week, then turn right back around and destabilize the very areas that these people are fleeing from. And the other part is, you know, when I talk to veterans who aren't getting the services they need, when I look at our entitlement system that's due to go bankrupt within the next decade, we have to have a managed immigration system. And one of my Afghan, you know, partners that went through, waited years and went through the system the right way, now lives on the Texas border. And he's just furious at watching everybody kind of jump ahead of him and his some of right. Line. Like so I, I went through the process. How come they're not going through the process? Yeah. No, and it's it's not fair. The immigrants who are waiting in line, it's not fair to American taxpayers who are, you know, paying a portion of their hard-earned paycheck to get the services they deserve. Hi folks, this is Sean Spoons, editor-in-chief of SoftRep.com. Just here to say thank you for listening to the SoftRep Radio Podcast. We sure appreciate you giving us your time. And here's a special offer for you if you're a new member. off your annual membership to SoftRep. Just click the link at the bottom of the page that brought you to us today. And from all of us here at SoftRep, thank you for listening. Okay, let me segue then, because I hear you saying, you know, like drug cartels are making millions of dollars off of, you know, reaping the rewards. What if the U.S. just took a step back for a second, you know, and just said, we relaxed the drug laws. Now what Mm. do the cartels have other than human trafficking that we can really go after them for? Yeah, look, I think it needs to be done in the right way. We actually just voted on a marijuana legalization bill. I ended up uh, voting against it, even though I've supported things like allowing cannabis into the banking system because having having it all in cash is a huge criminality and safety issue. But my issue and where things are getting hung up is, you know, do you go and expunge a drug dealer, you know, and let him out of prison? that may be serving time. And so I I think there's some details that we still have to work out, but states are- Maybe nonviolent, you know, maybe maybe case-wise, nonviolent-wise, you know, that would be an option if they didn't have like a gun involved or if it was somebody had a couple joints on them and, uh, you know, they just got the cuffs put on them because that that happens. I'm just saying- Yeah, no, and states are heading in that direction. I think eventually the federal government will as well. And then it's, you know, where do you draw new lines with with heroin, with cocaine, with, uh, you know, I mean, all all types of other drugs with meth that have, you know, devastated so many lives. And right now with fentanyl, the fentanyl is killing more, will kill more people this year than COVID, right? That's being manufactured in China. Well, and that's what's coming over is is that bad stuff. Exactly. You're hitting it right on the head. It's Yep, it's bad. It's not good. But if it could be made in the USA... And provided by some type of facility that was available in the community. And then they can go and, you know, like if you go to the ER and you have cancer and you need to get some pain meds, they'll give it to you. You'll have it, but they don't let you go home until they have overwatched you for the next two hours. Then they'll let you go home. So, you know, a little regulated. Yeah. It's just interesting. You know, I just because the drug cartels would probably be a little bit less you know, anxious to get over here with their drugs if if weed was like nationally legal. I didn't realize that that vote had just happened and that you were involved in that. Yep. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, segue there as well. But is the, what do you think I, about like back in the 30s? Go ahead. 
I know I was just saying on the human trafficking piece, it is to the tunes of hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars a week. And as a father, what breaks my heart is 30 to 40% of the girls that are migrating across our border, 30 to 40%. So do the math on, you know, when millions are coming across, uh, are sold into human sex slavery, human trafficking, or sexually abused. It really yeah, humanitarian crisis. And to just kind of turn a blind eye or, or really do nothing about it is unacceptable. I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, it is unacceptable. It's, it's, I have two, you know, I have three kids. I know your family, man. It's those that are listening to the podcast right now. They're probably from a family. <laughs> so, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, right, they come from somewhere. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting just how something simple could just seem like it say, stops so many issues. But yet, you know, I appreciate your take on that. And, uh, you know, thanks for going to bat for your constituents. And, uh, you know, the people that put you in office are expecting you to go have these types of, you know, philosophies and thought processes. And I've got no problem with that. You see, a lot of people are, are totally like one side or the other side or it's this or that. I, I just want to say, you know, there's, there's multiple parties here in, in, this, in, in America for, for democracy to be achieved, mm-hmm. okay? Because that's how it works is, you know, and, and I feel like if I was in there and we were talking, it would be a, a mutual conversation. And, and are you pretty, is it the word bipartisan with your colleagues across yeah. the aisle? Are you pretty open to hearing both sides? Are they listening to you too? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I don't think we listen to each other as much as we should. And, and oftentimes it comes down frankly to our to our leadership who you know and this is going to sound partisan but i think particularly with speaker pelosi that really focuses on scoring political points rather than you know really resolving a situation but i co-founded a bipartisan caucus called the four country caucus as we're four country it's all veterans and we've all served on both sides of the aisle because you know in the foxhole or the plane or the ship like nobody cares <laughs> about political party. The enemy's bullets. Uh, perspective: We were willing to die together for that flag. Then we could sit down in a room together and roll up our sleeves and hash it out and figure out where we agree or disagree. And so we're absolutely about that. And, and the committees that I'm on, armed services, and also uh, science, space, and technology, we have a lot of bipartisan work. The media doesn't often report on it because the media loves drama, right? That's what drives clicks and in viewers and ratings, but uh, good bipartisan work actually does get done. We've had a defense bill that has passed every year for 61 years straight to take care of our men and women right. out on that wall. So, and to do that, we have to make compromises. Yeah, we do have to make compromises. And uh, that's what relationships are about is, you know, whether you're getting married or you're going to get into business with someone, you have to make compromises in that relationship so that you can see success. It can't just be all one-sided. I always say, if you're talking to yourself, you're always right. Okay. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't throw it out there for someone else to maybe come back at you and say, Hey, Rad, that's probably kind of a crazy idea. Yeah. Oh, I'll think about that. You know, so back and forth, communicate, right? Even if it's like Morse code style, you know, like my dad used to be in the, in the uh, Green Berets, he would do Morse code did it all the time to me. Like, you know, we're going to communicate. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't do any good to be the smartest, it's true. smartest person in your own mind. Right. All the time. So yeah. That communication is. And where you're at right now, you know, we need all the smart minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm recruiting more veterans to run for office. And in the late 1970s, three quarters of the Congress and the Senate, the House and the Senate, 75% were vets. Today, we're at a record low in our nation's history at 16%. And I'm convinced that record low in terms of vets in Congress explains a record amount of dysfunction. Because again, it's not that we agree on every issue. It's about that ethos of putting country first, getting the job done, be, having an objective mindset. If you fail in combat or in business, like bad things happen. And that's the mindset we need. So I've got Green Berets, Navy SEALs, pilots. We have a record number recruited to run for office this year. And it doesn't have to be for Congress. It can be for city council, for state representatives, you know, I, I don't care if you're a local tax collector. It's that mindset that we need to get back to of service and putting country above self. Uh, yeah, most definitely, you know, and that's why we have the greatest military in the entire world is because it's an all-volunteer military right now, and everybody there is choosing to be there. Um, some of the lifers that are, like, in their 20th year, you know, you guys joined in a couple different presidents ago and you guys are still staying through and so what i want to say to piggyback on what you just talked about you know come together is uh if all of if everybody can just keep passing the budget bill for the military 61 years with who we have in even with as many veterans as we had then and now i like to hear that okay because i really care about you know body armor on my guys and gals that are fighting and uh you know at the redwood forests Okay. Well, I mean, if we could just and, and, and the manatees. <laughs> there we go. Well, and the other thing, you know, that just while together that I think your listeners really need to be focused on is the threat that's coming from China. And for, and when I say when I say that, I mean the Chinese Communist Party, the government, not the wonderful, amazing culture and people. They fully intend to supplant the United States as a global leader. Chairman Xi. The leader of China is openly talking about replacing the American dream with the China dream. And that's not a dream I want my kids and grandkids, an authoritarian view of, of the world that I want them growing up in. Their Navy is now larger than the United States Navy. They're launching more into space. 
than the rest of the world combined, including the United States. And man, at the end of the day, they're doing it on our money between what our pension funds are investing, Wall Street, Hollywood, academia. And every time you take a stimulus... Real estate. Yeah, every time you take a stimulus check to Walmart and it goes right over to Made in China Manufacturing, it's all going over there to fund their military buildup. And it is something that we as a country have got to wake up to. Right. It's almost like uh, how Ford, the company, used to make the get the steel and they'd bring it in one into the factory. And then like at Willy Wonka's factory, it'd be all, and then it shows a Chevy Silverado come out. But instead we've gotten complacent of buying off the shelf, these products that have been mined in other places, instead of owning the mine, the ethical workforce of the mine, keeping it, you know, from, you know, farm to table, if you will, except, you know, yeah, steel to Silverado, however you want to call it, right? So if we can bring that back to the American culture where, you know, these big boys are pulling the products from their own owned mines and their own owned places and then bringing it all USA made, I don't know, that could help, you know, alleviate the dependency on going overseas to these other places that you reference that do support these big box stores. Okay, so with that said... Congressman, Colonel, American, <laughs> homie that I called you on the, on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to take out of your busy uh, schedule to to chat with me and my and my listener that's on right now and and Softrep. Really appreciate you and would love to have you back on and we can kind of pick up uh, at another pace if you have any other items that you would like to talk about. I just want to say thanks on behalf of me and Softrep and, and a nation. We are grateful. So welcome home from all those places you've been. If you've not been ever welcomed home. So welcome home from those. (laughs) And uh, do you have any last uh, words you'd like to say? Yeah, thanks. Look, it's it's great to be on with you. Thanks for letting me talk about the the children's book, Dawn of the Brave. Again, everybody can find it on bravebooks.com. And getting these values, these ideals of service, of sacrifice, of putting uh, a cause uh, bigger than yourself as as a real focal point in your life. Uh, I think so important to get into kids' minds at at an early age. Uh, Not only will they be a better citizen and a better person, but we'll be a better country for it. So thanks for letting me talk about it, man. Happy to come on with you guys anytime and talk about what we're doing with the the Armed Services Committee and Congress. You know, still, you got to get over to Normandy and if you get a chance to jump out of a World War II aircraft over Normandy, <laughs> even the better. <laughs> but if you, I'll let you tandem it, me. Remember, I'm 6'5", 280. You can tandem me, sir. <laughs> yeah, we might need a bigger parachute for that one. <laughs> Give me a Humvee parachute. I'm no problem. If they could drop a Humvee, they can drop rad, okay? That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you on the, on the slope sometime. Oh, for sure. And thank you, Congressman, Colonel Mike Waltz, awesome author, family man, and Floridian. So thanks again. And this is Rad with Soft Rep Radio saying peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.